Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Maddie from Mad Time Fitness in Pennsylvania. What's up, Maddie? How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Thank you for you and Katie reaching out to me. I'm really excited to be here today. Awesome. All righty. Let's just jump right into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? Well, Mad Time Fitness has always been a dream of mine, I would say. Currently, I am 30 years old, and I opened this facility when I was 26. When I was in college at University Park of Penn State, I actually thought of it. So I was probably around 20 years old, I would say. I actually learned how to teach group fitness classes at Penn State U Park. And that's a pretty grueling process. Not everybody gets selected. It's pretty intense. Uh, You go through a year-long program in order to just be accepted as an instructor. So... I, yeah, it really, I'm grateful for that experience. It taught me a lot. It, uh, I built my foundation from that. And then after I graduated with a degree, a bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences, I moved home and I worked at five different privately owned facilities, fitness facilities at once. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge learning experience because I just went from a college background. I'm young. I don't have any injuries. I have, I have a little experience working with general population. Everybody's young. So now I go into the real world and, you know, it's all different ages and whatnot. And I learned a lot from each facility. They had their own style, own expertise, niches. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at a corporate facility And from there, I was like, you know, I, it didn't end so well. I'll put it that way. I did manage that facility for over two years, the group fitness department. I became a certified personal trainer at that point. And I was like, I'm just ready to do me. And I had a great following. And from that point, I, I did have to wait a year in order to open a facility, I signed a non-compete contract. I went through that whole escapade, I'll put it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> and in that time frame, within that year, I worked out of my basement and I also worked with kids. So there was a facility outside that 10 mile radius I could work at from that non-compete contract. And I learned a lot with athletics. I was an athlete personally, but working with kids. So I've always been working with adults and that just, in a way, it's funny how things work out, but um, through all of those experiences, I know that was a long-winded answer, but I realized women really gravitate towards group fitness or they like to have a social atmosphere. And a lot of women, it's in this area of where I'm from in the Poconos, it's hard to meet people in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So, and there's either stay at home moms, working moms, um, retired, so all different backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your facility is women only, correct? 
Correct. I am a women only facility and we, when I first opened three and a half years ago, uh, we started with 18 and above. And then I started taking on kids recently and one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. And now we've recently opened it up to group classes with 13 years old and up. Okay. All right. So definitely good that you had all of that experience prior to opening your own facility. Um, right. You know, a lot of the times you learn what not to do just as much as you learn what to do from right. those prior experiences. So that's super helpful. Uh, you know, having that to keep in your back pocket the whole way through, just kind of going through the process of actually opening your own facility. Um, I can't imagine, I mean, working at five different facilities at the same time. I'm sure that that was <laughs> quite <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this can't happen forever. Like, and no. my mom, my mom, I was probably 22 at the time when I was doing mm -hmm. all that. And she's like, Maddie, that's not, you can't do this forever. You're going to get no. hurt now, things like that. Um, but it, I wouldn't have trade that for the world. Like a book, mm -hmm. getting group certified. And I, you know, at University Park of Penn State, four years teaching there, that was amazing. But when you see the different ownerships of business, you mm -hmm. The different clientele, what works, what certain classes work, what don't, right. pricing. Mm -hmm. There's so yeah. much. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's so much that goes into it, and I, a lot of people sometimes, you know, just go from getting into personal training, building up a good client base. And then it's like, okay, I want to do this on my own now, you know, without having that prior experience. And then you learn all of those things along the way. And sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming, you know, for yes. people just coming in. And um, especially when you don't realize that, you know, it's not always really thought of as a business, you know, mm -hmm. it's like people kind of forget about the business side of owning a facility. Um, they just think about the training side. Of course, that's what you love and that's what you want to do and you want to help as many people as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business. So yes. sometimes that gets lost a little bit, I think. And another thing I want to add is after I left that corporate facility, the um, second to last place I worked at before I owned my own facility, is that there, it, I want to just state that like you were saying about business, it is a business. And mm -hmm. I knew I never took a business course before. Right. And it's just looking in places where say you don't have the funds to take a business course or reading a book, you just don't learn that way. Like it just doesn't click. Well, there was a local university, probably like a 30, 45 minute drive away from where I live. And they offered a six week business course for women for free. Wow. And if you, and exactly. So that's what I took. And I was like, at least I have some sort of foundation to get a basis of, do I want to be an LLC? Do I want to be a sole proprietor? Like, right. what does that mean? And right. if you just research and look, I bet you there, like, there's just ways, if there's a will, there's a way that's kind of like mm -hmm. what I think. And then before I also opened up my own facility, I went and I interviewed various business owners, small business owners. I sat down with them. I said, can you, would you be willing to meet with me and just talk to me about what worked for you? What didn't work for you? What are your experiences? And it wasn't always the fitness facility, like fitness industry. Like mm -hmm. 
I had a neighbor who started up his own car business, a mechanic, and he started in his backyard. And how did you do it? So Mm -hmm. I always find like everybody has their own experience. That's why I love this podcast, like the idea of it, because you can learn so much on what people did and didn't do kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Just talking to people who are one or two steps ahead of you even and how they got through things. And then sometimes you can save yourself a lot of time, money, frustration, uh, just, you know, learning, picking up little tips from other people who have experienced it before you. So that's a great piece of advice for sure. And that's a, a cool way to approach it too. You know, it's free and it allows you to talk to people who have been there. So and, that's and network, you know, networking yeah. is huge mm-hmm. and Absolutely. it might not necessarily be like, you know, fitness, but if somebody walks into their shop and for whatever reason, maybe working out gets brought up like they're you're in the back of their mind so Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely definitely uh can pay off in the long run as well all right so now as far as your gym goes how do you structure things within your business so what does your business model look like are you doing group classes one-on-ones semi-privates how does that look so i do one-on-one training i also do small group training which is about We usually have four women or less and then group fitness. So it has evolved a lot. It hasn't always been that way. When I first opened up, it was just me (laughs) doing everything (laughs) myself. So I would say like to answer your question on that, that's what what my business is based off of. Yeah. Okay. And how many women are you currently serving within your facility? I would round around uh, 150 women and we have close to 220 or 250 um as members as we know covid yeah <laughs> uh, right you know some people deter but they still like i have an app so to sign up for classes and pay for memberships and things like that so i still have contact with them when i send out newsletters just mm-hmm. maybe one day they'll come back in you just don't know right Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as acquiring new clients goes, how are you doing that? Are you doing uh, any type of paid advertising, like through Facebook, Instagram, Google, things of that nature? Is it more organic, word of mouth, referrals? How does that work for you? When I opened my facility, I did not have a ton of money. So Mm -hmm. And I'm actually pretty proud to say I did not take out a loan in order to open my facility. So I just wanted to, you know, like this whole podcast is about spreading knowledge and ideas. And Mm -hmm. that's what I want to spread mine is. um, So I was in the yearbook club in high school. And I remember Mm -hmm. having to go to businesses and sell advertisements on the yearbook pages. And I don't know why it came back to me, but I'm like, you know, each section of a page costs different money. So quarter of a page, a half a page, this and that. So when I had those interviews with business owners or maybe not had interviews, I just walked into small businesses and I said, Hey, would you like to sponsor me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of sold myself, told them I did have a strong following looking up to link up and open a business. But in return, each level was something different. So The bare minimum, for example, we did welcome bags. So every new person that signs up, they get a welcome bag. So I throw in those business cards in that welcome bag. 
Um, mm-hmm. I also did it with a banner. I hang, I hung a sponsor banner in my facility. So it's like advertising in my facility. Every time somebody walks in, boom, like there's their, mm-hmm. um, their business. And then also featured on my website like a sponsorship website. So each level of sponsorship, they got different exposure through me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a huge way I wrote, like I raised money for myself to buy equipment, to read, I had to redo the entire inside of the facility. I was grateful enough to have people donate to my dream. Uh, that's the perks of having a large following. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So that's like, <laughs> kind of like for that, but what your question was is how do I get people into the facility? So initially it was by word of mouth. So every person that came in and if they brought somebody in and they signed up, they would get a free week of classes. And I still do that to this day. Like, that's just a thank you for talking about us, whatnot. Now, as I am three and a half years open, I am able to buy Facebook advertising and I'm able mm-hmm. to buy the Instagram. I recently hired somebody to shoot a video of our facility. Mm-hmm. So it's just patience. It's taking time. Um, I did have a billboard recently at one point. So, but mainly word of mouth. I mean, that was one interview I had. I'll never forget with a business owner. And he's like, there's nothing like word of mouth, your reputation, mm-hmm. everything. The one bad thing, or if you have a 20 good things, people rave about it or they will tear you down. So yes, <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, going through. So now the Facebook advertising is still something, Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, something that's still kind of new to yeah. you over the last year or so, would you say? Yeah, like sporadically, maybe last year I might have done one. I mean, COVID, yeah, we were shut yeah. down 100 days, um, which I'm sure you'll ask me later on how we adapted to that. Mm-hmm. But um, now more recently, I would say in this year, for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a process of learning how all of that works, you know, and making sure that you're doing everything right and targeting correctly. And it's it's a lot to learn. So, but it's a super useful tool because it allows you to always be able to fish, you know, just in case you get into a situation where word of mouth slows down or you're not having as many referrals come in or whatever. It allows you to be able to feed your business. So huge skill, uh, to have for, you know, for now, for in the future, whenever you need it, it's one of the most useful things that you can use, especially today as a business owner, for sure. Another thing we did in the beginning, which I kind of want to start doing again, was we just went to businesses and asked them, can we put out flyers here? Like mm-hmm. just other small businesses. And I would say nine times out of 10, people were totally okay with it. So in the waiting rooms, it's there, your pamphlet, your brochure. So mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now over the next six months to a year or so, what are you focused on specifically within the business as far as goals go or growth goes? Is there anything specific that you're really working on? I would say having childcare is huge for women. Mm -hmm. My median age range and I'm general population is between 40 and 60 years old. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of tough having women see me on the face of Mad Time Fitness. I'm 30 years old. And they're mm-hmm. shocked. They think it's all young girls working out. And 
I'm like, oh, it's actually 40 to 60. Um, <laughs> and, but I think like I'm missing a huge chunk of women um, mm-hmm. demographic. So women who need, a lot of women are on their own. Maybe they're single moms, maybe they work and they just, maybe they don't have family to help them. So that's my biggest goal is to be able to provide that. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So targeting, um, a different age group or like, like 25 to, I don't know, 40 or so. Yeah. 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 I would say in the thirties, like yeah. that's mm-hmm. around there for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's tends to be a really good age group. Uh, just because, you know, obviously the younger crowd is still in such a transitionary period. A lot of the time, you know, coming off of college, getting into their job. And sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of settle down into a routine. Um, but a lot of times the, the people that are in their thirties, forties, you know, like the, the age group that you're working with currently and a little bit younger, um, are really good because they're, they tend to be in a routine and looking to make fitness a part of that routine. So, right. And I, um, I find women uh, just in general, we put ourselves last. It's like mm -hmm. uh, an instinct, a mother instinct. Like, I don't know why our society is like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and and not to feel guilty about coming in and taking care of yourself a couple times a week, like just focusing on you because you will be able to be a better human being in life in general, a better wife, right. a better mother, a better everything. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now we mentioned COVID a little bit. So through COVID, how did you get through it? How were you able to, so you maintained most of your membership, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how did you go about doing that? Did you transfer to some type of an online platform during that time? What did that look like for you? So I'll never, I'm sure we all have, it's like, I hate to say it, if you're from America, like the day 9-11 happens, like I remember as a business owner, the day COVID hit Yes. <laughs> and it was a Monday, I was teaching a class in the morning and, you know, the women were like, oh, we'll see you next week or we'll see you. This is something small. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, and then the next thing, you know, in Pennsylvania, we were shut down. Our, uh, (laughs) our governor decided to uh, keep small businesses closed for quite extensive time. A hundred days I was closed. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I did was I did go online. We did Facebook live. We did groups and I charged a fee per week. So people didn't feel like, Oh, I have this huge commitment to be a part of you pay per week. Um, Mm -hmm. they could do a drop in fee, but mainly it was a week on limited classes and the instructors were amazing that I have. I at that time, I think I had three or four instructors and I paid them less because they understood why the one, one of them actually did it for free. Like she was just so, like, I I'm blessed to have amazing staff. So yeah, like, that's huge. And we did that one time, one workout a day. I also decided to do like a pre-recorded thing and I did it as mad time 2.0. So my husband and I, we 
we uh, did workouts together, filmed them. He learned how to edit videos and we sold it as like kind of a package of workouts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, no one could get fitness equipment during COVID. Everything was sold out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we rented out our equipment from cycling bikes to hand weights to all that. So that was like another wow. su- supplemental form of right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that yeah. you could to kind of get through the get through that tough time anyway. So as far as a percentage of your membership goes, right. roughly, what percentage of membership were you able to maintain? Oh, man. During when we were shut down? Or- yeah, or like on the other side of it now, how how much of your membership is back in the gym okay. compared uh- to prior to COVID? I would say about 70%, uh, 60 to 70. In a way, it, um, you know, certain people fell off and never came back. And then I actually gained a lot of new people. Like yeah. that was the surprising thing was brand new faces came back in. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I also, when it got warmer out, I actually teamed up with a local winery. And we did outdoor workouts at the winery. Oh, <laughs> so cool. We were shut down. Yeah. So like just literally reaching out to other business owners because everybody's in, going through something. And mm-hmm. most more times out of not, like uh, you find people are willing to help you. So yes. Yeah, for sure. You just have to ask sometimes. Not be afraid to ask. Yeah. All right. So now one thing that I always love to ask every single gym owner that I speak with is if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing within your business right now, today, what would that be and why? Mm. It's a tough one. (laughs) Well, I would want a bigger facility. (laughs) Um, It's so funny. Like as a business owner, you look, some, some of us, like we look at, I have a 3000 square foot facility. It's two different rooms it's on the second floor. You have to take stairs. It's my little built-in stairmaster to get to my facility. And uh, yeah, I'm like, you gotta warm up, go up the stairs. But um, I, it's, it was gigantic to me initially. And now right. I'm finding myself like I need a bigger space. So if I could snap mm-hmm. my fingers and do some improve, I would have a, bigger facility for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So now as far as maxing out your membership in the current facility and now is expansion something that you are looking to do, you think pretty soon? I mean, as soon as you could. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a real estate right now in this area. It's awful. (laughs) Uh, that's something that I've been hearing from a lot of gym owners that that are looking for larger spaces is that they can't find the space. And then if they do find the space, a lot of times the landlord doesn't want to rent to gym owners. So they've been running into that. That's across the board. I've heard that multiple times. So yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just getting creative and holding tight. I think for Mm -hmm that you know maximizing what you do have like remember you built this so far and you've gotten this far like it's just getting creative and find figuring Mm -hmm. ways like covid when we reopened like i used to be able to teach in my one my group fitness room because i do personal train small group one room and then group on the other so the group room i was squeezing around 25 people in there Mm -hmm. and then covid hit 
right i slash that that to 10 people and yep. you know members get mad they're like why am i paying a membership if i can't get in the class so that's where the small group idea was born mm -hmm. it was okay well you have a guaranteed spot you pay ahead of time i do four-week programs so if it was like say pilates small group training which is not the same workout as a group class mm -hmm. that's what we really sell on it's a happy medium between group and personal but it's its own own thing you're paying that extra fee so it's 25 a session um and you have a guaranteed spot for four weeks it's mondays mm -hmm. at 8 a.m you show up you have that spot so Right. In a way, COVID like made me have to think like, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, mm -hmm. okay, I could have sat back and lost members and said, right, you know, 10 people, that's all I can like do. And that's it. Mm -hmm. But you have to think outside the box. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It made you restructure things a little bit and probably for your Better. benefit for the future, you know? So yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. And uh, so COVID true. and other things. So I thank COVID for that one because I'm all about <laughs> gratitude. I'm all about attitude of gratitude. I thank COVID for that. And I thank COVID because at the corporate facilities, the workout that didn't end well, uh, there was an instructor there that I was trying, I like she had owned her own facility years ago and she's just a good human being. Like mm -hmm. we all know a lot of in, in this industry, it's cutthroat, ego central. Yes. And she yes. had none of that and just a great team player. And when COVID hit, she just didn't like the way things were being handled at that facility. And mm -hmm. she approached me and was like, Patty, I'm ready to work for you. And I was like, yay. <laughs> so it's weird, like how, yeah. you know, things just happen, so. Right, yeah, things kind of line up and end up working out. So that's good. That's good to hear the good things that you've gotten from COVID. <laughs> yeah. I think um, a lot of us, like we, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm really all about reading books. That was another big goal of mine this year yes. was reading books on entrepreneurship, business, mm -hmm. fitness, like your attitude, uh, your outlook on things, money. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And you have to yes. keep educating yourself because right. we can always learn. We can always get better. Exactly. So. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to to what you said about the industry kind of being ego driven. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard for people to admit that there's always something that they can learn, you know, and uh, just kind of keeping an open mind, I think is so important and realizing that you don't know everything, you know, a lot of times it's like you get stuck on an idea like, okay, I want to roll out x y or z for my facility and everybody's gonna love it and you know this is what the people want and a lot of times it's just not you know like yeah. a lot of times things just don't work the way that you think they're going to so yeah. keeping an open mind and realizing that you know you don't know everything there's so much to learn um mm -hmm. and just allowing yourself to keep that open mind, I guess, I think is, is something that's so important because people get so stuck on certain ideas and you have to remember, like you are not your client, you know, it's yeah. not, you're, you are not necessarily your client who you're trying to attract in to your facility. So sometimes some things that appeal to you might not appeal to your clients. And that's, it's, sometimes it's hard to kind of get past that. So 
and learning to learn that. Like I literally three three weeks ago, just bought a Pilates reformer. Now Mm -hmm. I have no experience on a Pilates reformer, but (laughs) I hear it is amazing. And my one Mm -hmm. instructor, she has a background in that and she knows how to use it. So we did an instructor training program on it. And Mm -hmm. this is a whole new avenue, a whole new world for me. And we're going to use it for only personal training clients. So you have to be willing to learn and know that if you're going to, if you mess up and I, you know, people look at failure as a bad thing. I look at it as a learning experience. So, and just being open to it and being willing to fail, like right. and yeah. learn and grow because mm-hmm. fitness is the beauty of it is it's always evolving. That's why exactly. I think in it, we don't get bored. There's always something new. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It keeps it interesting, but it also, makes you have to adapt constantly too. So, you know, the industry is always changing and staying on the cutting edge of things means that you're constantly having to learn, grow, adapt, and that's uncomfortable sometimes. So it's hard to do, but necessary for sure. For sure, yes. Alrighty, so as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Okay. You can find me on Instagram, uh, just mad time fitness LLC. I have a Facebook page. You can also visit my website at www.madtimefitness.com. And yeah, that's pretty much it. All righty. Perfect. So thank you so much, Maddie, for joining us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Really great talking to you and definitely some good little tidbits for the listeners for sure. And one other thing, I just want to say that yeah. uh, I have a dog in my facility. So her name's Faith. She's a black lab. And it. I have a fireplace in my facility. It's not a traditional, like, stone-cold atmosphere, I would say. So it's really feminine. I have things out that's not like your traditional gym, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Faith is like our greeter at the top of the stairs. <laughs> and she's a huge part of our, like, success, I would say. Like, some people come there and, like, oh, my, I had you Google sends you sometimes like top searches. And I was searched like top as like dog gym in area or something <laughs> like that. Like, so you just don't know what's going to work, you know? Um, and I always also say, it's like, think outside the box. Like in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a paint and sip. Like now that mm-hmm. COVID's kind of like settling down a little bit. We used to do that all the time before pre-COVID. And it's not, and it's a fundraiser for a local um, girls on the run uh, organization. So thinking outside the box too, like that will bring yes. new people into your facility. So it mm-hmm. may not in a social, like maybe it's not, maybe you're not about drinking wine or whatever, but thinking like that too. So that's Definitely. all I want to add on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So everyone get a dog in your facility. Yeah, get your, <laughs> get a dog. <laughs> that will bring in people. And there's only been like three people have been terrified and won't come in. I would say like three, <laughs> but for the most part, people love her. Like I yes. literally just had a woman buy a turkey costume for my dog. Like, oh my gosh. like they just like, it's hilarious. <laughs> so that's so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So Maddie from Mad Time Fitness in Pennsylvania. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me and I enjoyed this. Thank you so much.
Awesome, of course. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. It is your host, Jenna. I am here today with Devin Bernison and Mallory Grist out of Springfield, Tennessee with Evoke Fitness. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How doing are you? well. Nice to be on. Yes, absolutely. First thing I do want to say to, the, to, to you guys is a thank you. I think it does always say a lot when an entrepreneur in this space is able to take out an hour of the day. I know that we get really caught up in that normalized routine as gym owners. And it's not always the easiest to like break out of that. So thank you guys for that. Cause you're ultimately today contributing back to your very own industry. So thank you guys. Oh yeah. I remember uh, having the shoe on the other foot and looking for resources like this when, when I was getting started. So totally. That's a great point. That's one thing I, that a lot of people will say is, man, if I would have had something like this, even three years ago, you know, it would have been a game changer. So yeah, that's the goal today. So with that being said, um, I would love to, you know, kind of lay out the scene, paint the picture for the listeners to get a good understanding of what got you guys into the industry and what's led you, you know, where you're at now. It could be a cohesive story together, or you can each both tell your, your own part of what got you into this. Well, I think it's important to note that she has far more experience in the industry than I do. Um, Why don't you start us off? All right. So I actually um, started personal training, well, got certified as a personal trainer at 17, and I have been doing it for the last 17 years. Um, It started with me just kind of soliciting people at gyms. Actually, I would just approach them. At gyms that I was not supposed to be doing this at, by the way, I I was too young to know. I would approach people and just ask if I could be their personal trainer. And that developed into um, eventually training out of my house and then uh, training for a company. And then I just got really bad at following other people's rules for how I was supposed to um, train people and help them reach their goals. And um, we had the opportunity to move from Michigan down to Tennessee and um, had a very small spot open up that we could possibly turn into a gym. And from there, I'll hand it off to you before we get into the rest of it. Well, she's very short-winded and I think she undersells a lot of her experience. So let me just point (laughs) out that first and foremost, she's been in the industry a long time. Um, I think she's got a relatable story like the rest of us where we kind of have to start by taking what we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where my story starts as well. Being 17, uh, fresh out of high school, going into college and um, wanting to be involved with athletics at some capacity. I wasn't going to be a college athlete like I had initially anticipated. 
So uh, I had to make a shift in what it was, uh, you know, in my career goals that I wanted to pursue. And I always knew that I wanted to be surrounded by uh, fitness. Um, I had come from an upbringing that was not the most health conscious. And, um, you know, with being involved in athletics in high school and uh, being seriously involved with wrestling, it gave me at least a idea of nutrition and how that ties into performance when it comes to athletics. Um, so when I graduated high school and moved into uh, the, the college atmosphere, um, I elected for a sport performance and fitness entrepreneurship. It was called Spiffy, uh, major at our university at Eastern Michigan. And uh, from that point, uh, I just cultivated uh, a following of people that I wanted to surround myself with that had knowledge in different areas that I didn't. I was okay with being the least knowledgeable in the room. Um, and in turn, I was able to pick up on a lot of different modalities of training that I wasn't involved in uh, up until that point. So for instance, um, that was where I learned a lot about Olympic weightlifting. Uh, I learned a lot about bodybuilding and the science behind it and got involved with bodybuilding and did a competition and that whole gig. Um, I also was competitive in powerlifting. So I, I got a chance to be around these different groups of people, which formed ultimately my philosophy behind training. Um, moving forward into getting employed and, and looking for openings at uh, being a personal trainer, I took my knowledge and experience from being an athlete on the competitive side and wanting to implement that in, uh, in, in practice with clientele. And that's where um, personal training kind of became a, a, a big part of my life and my pursuits and getting the certification and eventually getting hired in at the same company that uh, Mallory was uh, managing at the time. And she was my manager before we stepped away from the company and decided to do our our startup out here in Springfield. So the rest is history. That was a long-winded answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that though. That's awesome. It's, it's cool that you guys have both been in the game for such a long time. And, you know, Mallory, I think it's funny that even when you first started, you say soliciting, but honestly, I view it just as like a hustle, right? Like you were That's out, right. you were eager and you wanted to do this. So I wouldn't even view it like that because it's the people that do the stuff that's like ballsy like that at the end of yeah. the day are the ones that are really successful because no one else mm -hmm. is doing that. So kudos to you. I think right. that's cool. Um, okay, cool. So I would love to do this. So next thing here, walk the listeners through your services at Evoke Fitness, right? You know, if I came up to you as a new potential client, what could you offer me? Well, um, we specialize in private training one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, first and foremost, that's our bread and butter. That's where people have their results expedited, their expectations are met, and they're clear. Um, outside of private training, we offer semi-private training at a group capacity. So we're looking at, you know, four to six individuals in, in the gym space at one time, no more, no less. And uh, that's also a bit more affordable option than the private training. Um, 
From there, we have different yoga classes that we offer throughout the week, uh, as well as dance classes that seem to be one of our most popular class additives in our gym, which is the no dance? surprise to me. She did not mention, but she was also a dance instructor for a long time. Dance classes and, are so much fun. They're like, oh yeah, they're oh, and she, she's awesome. She won't brag about herself, but I will. She's a fantastic yeah, dance instructor, it. and she has really been able to build such a strong support system of people that are really interested in not only her but our own. Uh, business in, in wow. such a significant way that it's really helped us form our identity and presence. In that's awesome. Yeah, because I mean, dance classes are so much fun. Like I, that's like the best way to get cardio in and not feel like you're doing cardio. So, that's, oh yes, I love dance classes. I think they're it so hard. hard. It is they hard. Are. They are hard. They really are. So, okay, cool. So you guys are doing, you know, your main bread and butter is one-on-one -on -one training. Um, right. Then you're going into a semi-private, you offer yoga, dance, things like that. Okay, cool. So um, how many current members are we serving right now? I estimated, um, I estimated 40. Okay. And I think that that's a good estimation based off of this, this industry for those that don't know, there's a lot of undulation. Um, you got an influx of folks some months that come in, you know, January through March, and then you start to, to try to hold on to what's left because they drop off like flies after. Yeah, the summer comes along and people would rather be taking vacations or outside and doing things. Luckily, we live in a really hot, humid state, so yes. even when most places start to lose people we still get to hold on to a certain number of them because right. they don't really want to be out in that that's right <laughs> so <laughs> in turn we estimate about 40 members i know for sure just on the back end for um what i do to manage the business our analytics are telling us we have 42 members on uh just our email collections folks that have been in the gym the last two months or so Cool. Gotcha. So I always like to ask, right, we're sitting at around 40, we're estimating. Is that somewhere where we feel like we're, we're smooth sailing? We don't really need to grow much from here. Or are we wanting to definitely scale, grow the business like further member wise? I think it's all relative. Um, I'm very self-aware of the gravity of where we're at in our economy and the global economy and how things are changing all around. Um, we had quite a hiccup with COVID, which I know will be its own discussion here, I'm sure, uh, if, if I know anything about your guys' uh, previous episodes. So not to get too deep into that, but that was also a factor as well, you know, just understanding the climate that we're in and knowing that we cannot conduct business without uh, being calculated. And that was something at the very beginning of our startup here that we had to get comfortable with is knowing how to become, you know, we were personal trainers. We were not business people in the beginning. And um, when you start a venture like this, it quickly becomes, what did I get myself into? And uh, we really care about what we do and we care about the people we serve and ultimately our mission here. 
and it grounded us into doing the work. And just like anything else with a weight loss goal, we try to apply the same methodology to life things, business things, you know, it's all just a matter of putting things in perspective and getting to work. Yeah, totally. And you know, the, the one thing that I know you've probably heard other episodes, right? People talk about COVID. I won't on with when it was, when it's with me, because I see so many facilities in a day's time, still scale, grow, hit their goals, do all of these things, even in the midst of the pandemic, right? Like, and then let alone now. So I think, you know, I, I don't let people use that as an excuse. It's not, not saying that at you guys, but I say like, Hey, I see it still happen every single day. People are growing, getting to, to this level of profitability they've never been to. And, you know, I think you made a good point, Devin. It's like, we got into this being personal trainers and it's not always the easiest shift to go from personal trainer to entrepreneur and, and have that industry knowledge on the back end of the business. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those, those hard shifts for sure. I mean, a fun fact for you guys, it, it takes, it's not really a fun fact, I guess, but it takes most people five years to get into profit. Um, and that's just like some level of profit. I don't even mean like a, a lot, right? Most of those facilities shut their door by year three because they aren't willing to shift with the times. They couldn't make this, the transition between personal trainer to entrepreneur um, or who knows what, right? And sure. so I think- that's kind of our duty here is, and I, and I try to really tell people often is, you know, and I see this a ton in the industry, especially when people come from like a, a heavy personal training background, right? That's what they know. They're in it for a pursuit of passion. They love it. It's this like really hard tug and pull between passionate and profitable, right? It's like, we think, okay, if I near the, the profitability side, does that mean I'm less passionate? Because sometimes we have such a negative view around money and, and scaling and revenue. Yeah. And I'm always here to say, hey, like I see it every day. You can simultaneously be both at the same exact time because the more money we make the more people we help and that's something i always kind of like that's true i mean absolutely money has been a tool for us to to Mm -hmm. further our reach and to allow us to expand and grow in the ways that we have um exactly i i will say it's not it's certainly not easy i mean it took us a lot a lot to get here and a lot of luck and um you know Mm -hmm. we we're partners in business and in life. So we have to find a way to sometimes shut off all of the trouble that comes with the business element of our lives and be able to just enjoy ourselves, totally. which is something we constantly work on. What were you about to say? That's true. I was going to say one of the things that we struggled with, at least I struggled with initially, was I wanted to keep the prices for everything so low. I was yeah. charging $5 for classes. Oh, no. And we only had 750 square feet at the time. Yep. So there are only so many people I could get into a class. So which means the prices price. need to be higher to accommodate. Yeah. Yep. We were losing money. Um, pretty much every front. And anytime we had somebody who told me, oh, I'm struggling with my finances, I would say, well, let me help you. Let me figure out a way to discount this for you. Meanwhile, can you always pay your utilities to keep the lights on for the gym and things like that? If you you just can't. There was a lot of having to find ourselves in um, as what it would what it would require and what kind of compromise we would have to make with 
what we're, what our mission is in the community and also how we can keep ourselves in line and hold true to what we believe we deserve out of our yeah. life, you know, and not from a material way because we aren't material people. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because her and I, we've made a complete 180 in our lives since COVID and since having to take on larger responsibilities in this business. And we've made so many sacrifices to get to a point where we can see finally the fruits of our labor kind of coming to fruition in that, you know, we have quite a presence on social media. We have uh, new members that are inquiring every week. We have a website we can stand behind and be proud of and not feel like, oh, it looks cheap or cheesy or, you know, um, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of embarrassment. It's a lot of failure. It's a lot of um, having to move past all of the negative self-talk of how you define your success in this industry. And I've, I've been through it all. She's been through it all. Um, you know, we quite honestly weren't sure about the continuity of, of our business just in December. It was December, right? End of October. End of October going uh, toward the new year, we were unfortunately given um, a legal notice that we were being evicted out of our spot for no reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we were completely shocked by this spontaneity that mm -hmm. uh, this legal letter presented and we had to act quickly. And um, I'm very proud to say 24 days later, uh, we had a fully operation, a fully fu a functional operation in a new facility, a new lease agreement, a new start for us. Yeah. And it sounds like it happened exactly the way that it should have, you know, and yes. to kind of piggyback Devin on you saying, you know, especially when you come into the business more on the side of passion versus, you know, it is very much so trial and error, trial and error. And I'm glad right. that you guys made it through that because it's not the case for everybody. That trial and error doesn't last very long. So, you know, kudos right. to you guys. And I think the the next phase for, you know, from what I'm hearing for you guys, is definitely like, we don't want this to be about luck anymore, right? Like we want to have, we want to systematize things. We want to plug in X, Y, and get Z. And we want to know you know, everything about everything to not have to rely on luck anymore. Now it's about how do we create the most perfect, well-oiled business and, you know, who knows what's available from there, right? So, and I think, honestly, I think that really comes from whether it's audiobooks or having mentorships or talking to people that have done it time and time again and so successfully and being, you know, willing to have those conversations and doing things like that. That's one of the biggest things in the industry that I see personally is it's the people that are not willing to one shift with the times and to get help to some degree are the ones that don't make it very far. And so yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I've seen, you know, myself. So something I um, want to kind of touch on here is, from more of a tactical standpoint, I suppose, yeah. is with us, you know, you guys being at 40 members right now, what are you guys actively doing to see new faces, you know, continue to grow, scale, and, you know, do what you're setting out to do? Well, I would say um, it's been kind of a gift to living in the little tiny town we live in. It is a gossip mill, but that works in our favor. 
because if somebody has a good experience with us, then they're going to tell all their friends. And that's really been our best way of marketing is just kind of word of mouth. We also rely a lot on social media. And um, as I said, little town gossip mill, people drive very slowly past our business trying to figure out what it is on a daily basis. I'd say that's really more what we, we rely on than anything else. And that's really helped us to just continue to grow. And to answer a question that you asked us earlier, I think, yes, we would like to grow more. And ideally, I would like to see us eventually reach 60-ish members, if not a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's a good goal to aim for. Yeah, I, you know, our, our ways that we have um, created awareness about what we're doing in our business is, uh, we have certainly made a point to post a lot on social media. I mean, we're no Gary Vaynerchuk, but we certainly crank out a lot more than I think a lot of our competition does. Yeah, totally. And when it comes to exposure in such a small town, if you're calculated the way that we are about how we market our business and using the right hashtags, uh, tagging the right folks, we are getting a lot more exposure from social media rather than trying to take to the street with picket signs and things that are going to, right. that's kind of the old school method. I believe we fully, we have fully embraced the uh, digital uh, landscape and um, knowing how to manipulate attention and draw it to ourselves from which point we can you know, be the salesperson that's needed to make, uh, to make this person trust us enough to spend money for yeah, us. Yeah. And, you know, um, word of mouth is great. That's something on the podcast that I probably will always edify and talk sure. about because there's a level of it where, you know, again, like you guys kind of touched on, you have your OG clients, right? They're going out to church, the grocery store, to a friend's house, and they're being your natural salesman without even realizing they're doing it, right? Because they have yeah. conviction in you guys. They like, know, and trust you guys. It's easy. So by the time these new people come in, you guys aren't having to use the sales sword, right? You're just right. getting them signed up, ready to rock, because there's not much convincing we have to do. So word of mouth is great. It doesn't cost us money. It's it's good. Um, but I'm always equally going to talk about the other end of it, right? Which is it can be slow. There's yeah. it's an uncontrollable factor in the business. It, will it always be there? Yes. Um, but can we ever crank it up? No. Can we ever slow it down? No. <laughs> it just I, does. I, I think to things. your point too. Um, you know, it, it certainly, it, there's, there's slower times and there's, there's, there's months where things are more fast paced. Of course, we appreciate both modes because one allows us to rest a little more and to kind of uh, focus our energy inward a bit. There's a lot of self-work that needs to be done between us both to maintain our relationship as well as maintain a business. Um, so those slow months you know, we're, we're certainly focused on how we can pick things up in that time, but we're also focused on checking in with one another, um, which I, I think has been really important to our, our, our ability to, to coexist in the same space and work together on these mm -hmm. uh, issues that regard our attention in the business. Mm -hmm. um, but when it, when it's moving at all, I think it's important, you know, like we're not stagnant. Absolutely. 
Um, no, no. I think that there's a direct correlation with how much content that you're pushing to get out there, how much you're put, putting yourself uh, in a position to be in front of people. You know, there's been times where I've been unmotivated to produce content. And as a result, there's, there's no traffic in our direction, you know, and, and I know that just because I don't want to be in front of the camera that day, I know that it is going to yield a, a positive benefit by doing it. So I think a lot of times folks just get, especially in this industry, they're burnt out, they're insecure, maybe they just don't want to get in front of the camera or make the posts or do the the content creation, because it takes a lot, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of effort to do this, it takes a lot of effort to, to run a podcast frequently, mm -hmm. you know, the drill. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure, and I think, unfortunately, the people that get really burnt out are the ones that have a broken business model at the end of the day, that's right. you know I mean, yeah. it's cool, because some of the people I get to see over here on the other side, I like to call it, right. is they are making more money than they ever have, they're going on more vacations than they ever have, they're doing things that have always been kind of their pursuit of passion that they've wanted to do with their families and provide and, but still equally get to be a part of the business when they want to, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, it really does boil down to the, the model, right? Because I always say the ultimate goal for an entrepreneur is to have the ability to step back, delegate, and look at the business out of bird's eye view and be able to see it at angles that they've never been able to see it before. Because when we're so in the business, you yeah. can never be on the business, right? And oh, so yeah. I, I think that's where the burnout really comes into play. And you know, it's, it's usually just very minor things in the business that take it from being burnt out to, wow, this is the most passionate and fulfilled that I've ever been. And, and the most scaled that we've ever been profitable we'd ever been. And, you know, it's, 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 it's sad. I see it a lot that there's a lot of gym owners that will work 80 hours a week with this badge of honor. And they're making the same amount of money that they would make 40 hours a week for somebody else. And it's like, oh, like, I know the grind's great, right? And like, it's, it's good at first, you're kind of proud of it, but eventually it becomes this, you know, people are getting divorces or they're not having time with their kids and it becomes this whole thing and they are never able to fix a couple minor things in the business because I always say, you don't know what you don't know, right? And oh, some yeah. people never will get to, they will never kind of reach out to that lending hand to learn more. And I think that's the, that's the thing I see the most for, for the broken models in the, in the business and in the industry, I should say. So burnout is a real thing. You're so right. But I think in the industry, it can definitely be avoided. Definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, you've got to take time for yourself at some point, you know, and it's hard to say that when things are falling apart around you. I mean, yeah, you know, you're we, right. We didn't we didn't know we were going to be displaced uh, and, uh, you know, be trying to call up every realtor we knew to, to figure out where our, our next opportunity was going to be. Um, mm -hmm. But we had to make we had to make a strong effort or we knew what the alternative was, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I, ultimately you got to have a lot of resilience to to start any business it's not this isn't just about fitness anymore you've got to be okay with your livelihood and your your quality of life coming into question frequent uh in the beginning you know that yeah. certainly shouldn't be the case throughout the entire course of your business lifespan but 
it certainly has been a part of our experience in the startup phase of, you know, not really uh, sure how things are going to go. Uh, you yeah. know, what, what we're going to do through COVID. That was a big issue. And I know, again, like, yeah, I'm sure you've heard it a million times, but we're no different. We struggled through the same exact period that everybody else was in For that. Sure. Moment, so, yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when, especially again, I mean, how long have you guys been in business? Since 2019. So 2019. roughly three years. Right, two and a half. Years. Two and a half. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I see a lot, especially when it becomes, you know, I'm, I'm touching on things with you guys about word of mouth and it can be slow. And you guys are kind of in that, that mindset of, yeah, it's slow, but we're thankful. It's just something, right? Like I'm thankful that, that we're, we're seeing people. And I think when you go through COVID, you go through what you guys did with the lease and you go through just being new gym owners in the grand scheme of things. Sometimes we, we get in this mindset of, I'm just thankful we're here. I didn't even think we would be here. <laughs> and you get very normalized to that mindset of, I didn't even think this would happen. So then, you know, we start to think of 60 members, 80 members, whatever it may be. And it, it seems kind of far-fetched because we didn't even think we would be here. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? And it's, it can be a dangerous mindset. And I'm saying it's more out of just care for you guys as gym owners, but like, there's no reason you guys can't go in there and crush 60 to 80 members and, and grind less, right. And have more time together and be able to just change people's lives crazily, like next level stuff. Right. So, you know, um, it's out there. I'm excited for you guys for sure. Yeah, we are too. Uh, I, unfortunately, we're, we've reached a crossroad with um, how we expand and what that looks like to us because we, you know, we're, we're still building our reputation. We have a strong presence uh, for the short duration that we've been in business. And I think we've made a strong impact on the community here. Um, and we've got a lot of folks that, that care about us as, as people and not just their trainers. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, I believe that we we're, uh, we're, we're at a crossroads with how we bring on new people and what kind of people we want to surround ourselves with. And, and I know that every um, business has this kind of the issue at, at some point where they look to try to expand and they're trying to find people that fit the totally. trying to find people that fit the um the the core values that you would like to see in your employees totally. unfortunately there's just not a whole lot of good candidates that yeah. are willing to do you know, and it, again, I, I understand that I don't expect them to have the same passion about our business that we have about it because right. they aren't the owners of the business. So I understand that, mm -hmm. but there is a absolute um, uh, issue in, in some of the uh, folks that we have tried to vet through and, and, oh, and, I, and I on our team. I get that guys. That's one thing that I've heard a lot. Um, that's, that's probably one of the, the, the more common things I hear from gym owners when I talk to them is finding employees, finding things, you know, like that is hard. And I always yeah. challenge the person. because I try to put it in a controllable way, like a controllable measure. I always try to say 
And in my opinion, from what I've seen, sometimes it's really hard to find good employers. And I, and I mean yeah. that by oh, for sure. It goes both ways, go both ways. Totally. And, you know, and what I see sometimes, and, and I think about it, people that are in the industry and maybe they started out at a Globo gym or they started somewhere that they probably weren't really treated or paid what they're worth and their value and they're gun shy. They're, they're kind of their outlook on the industry is a little bit skewed. And most of the time, employers do not create an opportunity or an offer that would make someone feel really stupid to say no to. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And and I, I even think, you know, before I had joined Gym Launch, you know, it's such an, an, an performance-based company and it's all about, it's not about seniority or, you know, how many certifications you have or all these different things. It's based off of how are you performing? And if you're outperforming anybody, then you're going to the next level. And I think, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of the same way in as far as like personal trainers are getting help. And we look more for who has this certification versus this and has this education. But what about the guy over there that just has more grit and we can really coach him and morph him into that 80% that we need compared to our comparative to our hundred percent. That's something I've learned majorly. Definitely. I think that's kind of been what we've been looking for. We don't really care about how many certifications you have or what they are or where they come from or if it's ACE versus ISSA or whatever. That doesn't matter to us. Yeah. Are you a person of integrity? Yeah. Do you care about others? Are you willing to sometimes have to put your clients before yourself and really serve your population or... Is this just another job where you're going to be late and you're going to drag your feet and you're going to be semi-rude to people and not have any knowledge of anatomy or physiology or kinesiology or any of those things that are really important in our field? And I think that's been our biggest concern is there are several meatheads who could possibly be trainable, but do they have integrity, you know? No, you're and right. I think that's really where we're stuck right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I, just to piggyback again, it's Slim Pickens. And uh, I've noticed um, with the few people that we've worked with trying to onboard them and make them part of our team is that there is a lack of accountability. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I feel like, you know, we've been fair in terms of trying to bring people on and also make them aware of, you know, what we can provide to them as employers and what that relationship looks like and the expectations, For making sure. sure that they, that, you know, they're not under the impression that they've got to take on five different tasks when the job description was at, you know, just as, so we're not trying, we're being transparent. But I also find that a lot of people uh, during this time, and I understand both sides, they feel that their options are completely open because the job market is more open and people do have more options that they don't care to step on your toes or to even or to leave you high and dry. To leave you high and dry. We just had to let somebody go because uh, they wanted to back out on an agreement that was made of when they were going to be teaching and where they were going to be teaching because they had a change of heart all of a sudden. Um, that puts us at a you know, position that isn't very desirable and, and one that we've got to now take the brunt of the, um, uh, the pushback that comes with it now. 
Uh, and this person had really no care in the world other than uh, their, their own pursuits, which again, I can understand, but it comes down to communication. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not a lot of folks that uh, are open in communication. Uh, our phones are never off. That's a sacrifice we've made being in business. And we understand that, um, you know, there's going to be people that need our attention. and We have to make ourselves available during this point, uh, not forever, uh, but certainly when we're on a, a path of acquisition, you know, we need to bring more folks in. We need to produce more content. There needs to be uh, more of a, a strong effort on, um, you know, on all fronts. So we need somebody that brings that kind of energy to the table. And unfortunately, folks come in that are really highly motivated initially. And then when they're granted um, you know, a position or we're working on bringing them in, they start to, their motivation wanes or it's not what they expected. There's a change of heart. So right. We deal with this a lot. Yeah. No, so that's something I, I hear a lot for sure. And I think, you know, as, as business owners, building out a team is definitely kind of that next level step, you know, it's, mm -hmm. so you guys can kind of step back a little, maybe focus more on marketing or the content you put out or just the cadence of anything and everything, systematizing things, the sales Perfect. process, the lead nurture process, all of the things that are so crucial in the business. And, but I get where you're at, right? It's like, well, we, we got to find someone to kind of break that seal so we can get yeah. rolling with building out a team. So that's right. Um, that's yeah. right. I, yeah, for sure. Well, guys, we're kind of nearing the end of our time here. What I would love for you guys to do um, is let the listeners know where they can find you on social media, website, everything. Sure. So we're on Facebook, uh, Evoke Gym, uh, Evoke Fitness on Facebook. Uh, EvokeGym.com is our website and uh, Evoke Fitness on Instagram. Evoke Fitness Studio. Yeah, of course, you have to play with the uh, usernames for <laughs> some of the names. I was already taken. Gotcha, gotcha. Alrighty, guys. Well, Devin and Mallory, it was a pleasure having both of you today. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure to be on and share our experience. And hopefully somebody out there gained some insight uh, to the um, turbulent nature of starting their their own company or uh, getting involved in the fitness industry. Um, it's rough out there, but, but it's, it's not. It. It's worth it, and it's not impossible. I mean, we. I don't feel like we've set the right tone after all of this. That we we do love what we do. It's oh, a yeah, lot. I can of work. tell you guys we, do. Yeah, I mean, we balance a lot. It's just her and I. We manage the business. We make the decisions in the business. We have a good life. We are just stressed out. <laughs> um, and, and this is part of it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, our clients know that we love them. Uh, people come in and in, in support our efforts. Uh, and we're so grateful. And it's such a large way. And we are grateful because we're not from Tennessee. We're from Michigan and we moved yeah. here and they've accepted us with open arms. So mm -hmm. um, for those people that are, are kind of wanting to take a leap of faith, I think if you're making some calculated decisions, you can uh, really change your life for the better but it's going to require a lot of peace of mind as a sacrifice mm -hmm. and again I think it's I think it's a a decent trade-off so yep 
All right, guys. Well, again, so thankful to have you both. And Jim Lords, I hope you guys gained some value from today's episode. If you liked what you heard today, like and subscribe on all of your favorite listing platforms. If you want to take it a step further from there and be our next guest, we do take applications. Fill out the application form below. Again, guys, it is Devin Bernison and Mallory Grist with Evoke Fitness out of Springfield, Tennessee. And Jim Lords, we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Sam Peterson of Everyday Strength coming to you from East Wenatchee, Washington. Sam, what's going on? How are you today? Uh, not much. Just hanging out. Day off. <laughs> hanging out on a day off. The typical three-on-one-off, two-on-one-off sort of schedule. Yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Sam, we're happy to have you here. I'm excited to dive into this business because this is a really interesting business model. You do basically everything within the four walls of this business, but I don't want to paint on your canvas too much. When you describe everyday strength to people, how do you do that? What do you tell them this gym is about? Uh, community, functional fitness, everyday strength, strengthening uh, the modalities of what you do in your daily life. Yeah. And so this is for who? Who is your kind of avatar? Who's your target demographic, if you will? Uh, really everyone. Uh, I've got a big background in fitness and I can modify and strengthen anybody who wants to come into the gym. I've got anywhere between, you know, 13 year olds all the way up until 82 year olds, the average day it's quite a rain. <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah. And so really tailored to anybody. Sam, before we get into the nitty gritty of the business side of things, put us in your time machine here and take us back to when this idea started swimming around your head that you were going to open a gym. When was that and, and what were you thinking about at the time? Well, I guess we could start from the very, very beginning. Um, grew up in Woodby Islands in Washington and Married a gentleman through the Navy and got pregnant, gained a ton of weight, mm. so probably 70 pounds, 80 pounds with that weight, 
And after I was pregnant, decided, okay, I gotta lose this because I don't wanna be as heavy as I am right now. So one of his friends had started going into a CrossFit gym there, CrossFit Whitby Islands. And I said, okay, yeah, sweet, let's try that. So went in for a couple of days, got super addicted and was never, never stopped. Got bit um, by the bug. Yeah, got bit by the bug. There you go. <laughs> it was and great. So this is this is a an idea really a long time coming. When did you guys officially open doors of everyday strength? Uh April of 2019. Got it. Okay. So prior to the pandemic, right? You got open yeah. right at uh right at a good time in the fitness industry. Tell us about those last three years, right? How, what's your experience been as a gym owner? Well, super interesting. We moved over to Wenatchee um, in 2018. My mom had gotten sick and we had decided to make the move from Woodby Island, Anacortes area to come over here. I had managed a gym over there um, for four years mm -hmm. to play with someone else's money, which was awesome. Far better Learned. way to learn, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, and when I came over here, I did a bunch of research. I found out East Wenatchee and Wenatchee over here are literally separated by a river. And so the Wenatchee side had 23 gyms and the East Wenatchee side had two at the time. And um, so looking Probably at that, better I decided, to open up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was the third gym that opened in East Wenatchee. Um, and decided, you know what, let's find a space and let's open it up. I've managed okay. a gym for so many years. I've been in the fitness world for many more than that, and I'm going to try it out. So really coming into East Wenatchee, one, I didn't know anybody, uh, besides family and, uh, two, really just kind of pursuing what I'd love to do and yeah. wanted to bring my knowledge because I love being able to teach and coach right and help people move right and so um, you decided to dive in head first right we're gonna do first. this i don't know anybody but i'm gonna make this happen it, yeah pretty i see you moving now are you there i believe i, believe I lost you for a moment but uh okay. last I, last i caught you we said hey we're gonna open up this business i'll be damned if i don't make it work and, and here you are three years later making it work right yeah right and went through COVID after a year um, of being opened, I had gained, I think we got up to 45 members before the pandemic and during the pandemic, we had to close down for three months, two different times yeah. um, and I lost some members. We went on onto an online platform set up a Google spreadsheet and rented basically allowed everybody to borrow the equipment that we had in the gym and take it home and did online classes. Um, and that worked out great. We lost some members. I think I got down to 32 members and slowly as the pandemic is hopefully fading away, I'm back up to 39. Um, so we're shooting back up. It was an interesting whirlwind being open for a year and then all of a sudden having to uh, shut down. Yeah, you are not alone change. in that, Sam. 
Yeah. Are, there are many, many people that will ultimately listen to this that have, have been in your shoes. And so here you are kind of rebuilding and, and climbing back. What do you think is capacity for you? What is, or is there a target in a number of how many people you think you want to serve? Uh, in the location that we're at right now, I have an 1100 square foot gym. Um, we are getting packed wall to wall space, hanging things on the wall to create more floor space. Um, each class I can, I can handle 10 people probably. So there is a few more spots opened based on which classes we have, but the ultimate goal is to double the size and possibly within years of doing this, maybe like a 10 year goal now that the pandemic happened, it was a five, but hopefully to get some like-minded people and start a, a wellness like co-op where you got a gym, maybe in the center or off to the side. And then we've got nutritions and nutrition, dietitian, uh, massage therapist, chiropractic, the whole realm of everything that's the yeah, more, more one-stop shop right you got it and so you you talk about the timeline being pushed down the road a little bit i want to explore how we're able to really grow the membership in the first place and, and that leads us to a conversation about marketing marketing yeah. in our industry can mean any number of things how have you successfully been able to find people especially knowing nobody when you first started uh honestly so far it's been word of mouth uh lots of word of mouth i haven't even dove into doing like the facebook instagram social media marketing right. um i hit some i have a business group that i go to and it's off of like a referral program slash education type thing. And that's helped to get some people to come in and try it out. Yep. Um, but as far as the main thing, it's word of mouth. Yeah. And you mentioned that you haven't yet gotten into any kind of Facebook or Instagram ads. Is there a reason you avoid it? Probably the lack of knowledge, right? Yeah. Of being able to put that. I think there. that's... That's a, obviously that's a, a good reason when we put any kind of time or dollars into something, we want to make sure that we can get a return back. And the reality is that people make entire careers out of this. You are. It's an art um, form. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, and the rules are, are ever changing as well. The policies, the algorithms, things that are far outside of the scope of this exact podcast. But the reality is that if you are someone who is going to invest money in something to grow your business, you want it to actually grow your business. Absolutely. And that can be a challenge for, for us if we don't really know how to, how to control the inputs and outputs of the exact science. So Sam, for you, with the, the 39 members that you have, say we get a lead in, you said mostly word of mouth, right? Somebody comes yeah. in interested in joining the gym what happens between that moment where they're expressing interest and them becoming a member what does that typical quote-unquote sales process look like for you 
Well, because it's word of mouth, it normally starts with a person who's in, inviting said friend or acquaintance in and, hey, I've got uh, Sue coming in to try out the gym. I offer a free week because uh, okay. I know that not every gym is for everybody. So I want that person to confidently know that this is what they're going to invest in. This sure. is what they want out of a gym before they dive headfirst. So they come in for a free week because programming's different every day. And I want them to get a visual of what that kind of looks like. So they come in yeah. for a free week. I would say 90% of them stay. Right. And yeah, typically the other 10%. After, after experiencing it for a week, you pretty much know whether this is for you or whether it's not for you, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And so all of that is is really routed through you, right? It falls to you to handle that sale and that membership. Take us to the future, right? You talked about having potentially a, a bigger facility and, and that being in the goal. Do you anticipate having to bring on other people, other coaches, other staff to help you in the meantime? Um. Yeah, I would love to bring on some staff, actually. I just went through the community and we have like a, a work source, skill source facility here for those who need to go in. And I reached out to them, you know, hey, if you have any of these types of people who are willing to learn or maybe they're interested in a career doing this or if someone is looking into going into physical therapy or becoming a PTA or anything, send them my way so that we can chat mm. and get a good feeling and maybe learn some things that I've experienced. Um, so recently reached out to a guy. We have a meeting next week. We'll see how that goes. It'll be nice okay. to, yeah. It'll be nice to get another trainer on just so that I can take care of that back end stuff that the yeah, business to, to buy back some of your time. And it sounds like the wheels are already in motion a little bit. And it's, I, I have this conversation with gym owners a lot and it's challenging to bring on somebody. Essentially, this is your baby, right? This is another one of your children and handing the reins over or allowing somebody else to help raise that baby, we have to have a lot of faith in that person. So we, be, we become very picky as yeah. to who we, who we bring into that sort of situation, right? How was your experience in finding someone potential to bring on to your staff? Oh man, it's hard. It's hard because you want someone who is like you, but also isn't like you. <laughs> that <laughs> I know exactly what you mean it, like strengthens your weaknesses however has the same idea of what you would like yep see as yeah. far as it so it's hard like you said this is my baby so I'm very particular when I managed the gym before I opened this one we had like an internship that lasted anywhere between four to six months and we would take that person on and they would watch us for a couple weeks and how we coached. And then from there, we decided, okay, we're going to take a couple weeks and we're going to have you coach the warm up. And how do you do that? How comfortable are you? And then from there, you know, the strength, the accessories, and then the workout. 
Yep. And then after that, coaching all of it and then meeting with that person to hopefully allow them to build and gain and learn off of that to then letting them free. There's a lot that goes into it. That's for sure. And even uh, as the state of our industry with as low of a barrier to entry as can be, we need to take that upon ourselves to prepare our staff for what our expectations are. Absolutely. And so for you guys, I mean, you mentioned five, 10 years down the road, building out a, a different location, a bigger location as a one-stop shop. What needs to happen in the meantime to get you to that point? Is it, are we focusing on growing the membership? Is it building out a team? What's, what's the kind of intermediate step for you guys? Uh, that's a good question. I've thought about this a lot and how to make that happen. Um, the goal is, right, one center, one-stop shop. However, I don't want to own the whole thing. Right. I would like an almost like a co-op, right? A group of like-minded people who are interested in the same thing and being healthy and taking care of their body. So live to be, you know, a hundred if they wanted to. Um, so going into the community and chatting with people to see what their idea of health is. Yeah. Establishing what, some partnerships, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's Sam, the first step. And then going yeah. after, right? Trying to build that membership so that we can have a bigger space. Right. Right. Because memberships bring in income. So then you can then afford to pay for bigger space. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's funny the way that you word that. And, but at the end of the day, it's a business and money in versus money out really, really matters. If you don't have money coming in, we can't send money going out for these growth goal things that we talk about. And so I think that's incredibly important to keep in perspective when we have this conversation is at the end of the day, the more profitable we are, the easier it is to pull the trigger on these ventures, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you, because I've known so many gyms out there um, who start big, right? They get a gym, they want to be a coach, they want to own, and that's what they want to do for a living. So they go out and they're like, 5,000 square feet, let's do this. But then the rent for that is five grand, if 5, not a little bit square feet more, right? worth of rent, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so they think it's going to go well, but if your memberships are at a hundred bucks or 150 bucks, you have to have a ton of members to even just afford that space. Right. right? So yep. being able to start small, like I started 1100 and now growing and then hopefully I can go into like a 2,500 square foot, maybe by the end of it, have that 5,000 square foot face with yeah. little offices on the side. <laughs> but, but to your point, a lot of people want to skip that, right? A lot of people yeah. want to jump the line and end up doing themselves a disservice with this behemoth of a facility and bills that they can't keep up with, right? And so right. I, think, I think where your head is at in terms of building a business is, is really, really sound. It's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, you can't dig yourself a hole. Don't you know, dig like, yourself a hole. That's the thing. 
That's it's a lot easier to get out of if it's not a small hole and not a right. crater, right? Uh, Sam, it's been a fascinating thought experiment to kind of dig into your thoughts regarding everyday strength and why you do what you do. I want to give you the chance to kind of shout out where people can find out a little bit more about this. Is there a website? Is there social media? Yeah, I've got, I've got it all. You can find us on Google. Got a website. We're on Facebook and Instagram. I think my favorite platform right now is Instagram just because it's pictures and pictures tell a thousand words. So we've got different people in our gym and everybody's at a different story in their life, whether they're 55 and have let themselves go and they need to get back in on a small step or whether they're 25 and they're getting ready to apply for a wildfire fighting job and they need to stay healthy for that. Um, so Instagram is probably my favorite at everydaystrength.life. Name says it's says it all. Um, and then the website is the same as well. Perfect. That that domain dot life. I love that. Sam, this has been a bunch of fun. I really appreciate your time and I can't thank you enough for contributing and giving us a, a peek into how you run the business side of everyday strength. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. And I'm like, I'll wish you nothing but the best in your journey to yeah. get there. Right. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.